to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in today on the Steve Day Show free podcast, courtesy of our benevolent overlords at Conservative Review. Join us online at CRTV.com for our TV show each and every day. Available to you with a discounted subscription to CRTV. Use my name as not just a swear word now, but also a promo code. That's cool. So it is DACE, D-E-A-C-E, and you won't get just access to all of our programs, but everything from the great one, Mark Levin, the entire team, Michelle Malkin, pick a name. We got some great ones, including ours, that are not so great. Right here at CRTV.com, we just finished today's DACE Group Roundtable, weekly look, uh, weekly look at review, or weekly look at the week that was. I was conflating two different slogans there and messed them both up simultaneously because, guys... I'm a professional. Don't try this at home. Let's give a little preview of what's to come today here on CRTV.com. And Aaron, I'll start with you. What stood out to you about the roundtable? Let's see. Top 10 best parts about the Trump presidency. Number three will blow your mind. I like that. Uh, You're into this clickbait thing. I I love the clickbait. I love it. (laughs) You won't believe what he looks like. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, I mean, hey, if it if it want, if it makes people want to click on our show, you know, then uh, then it's worth it. I had a good conversation uh, about what it looks like. Here's some more clickbait for you. What it looks like when an adult steps in the room. Mm. Yes, on the day's group today. That's where we I was saw that go. this week. Mm-hmm. We've kind of forgotten that. Yeah, actually, I think George W. Bush tried to be that yesterday, which I appreciate to some extent, but. When a whole lot of amateur hour, uh, amateur versions of tyranny were happening in the last eight years, he was noticeably silent, guys. And so his attempt to step in and be an adult yesterday probably fell on a lot of the deaf ears that he, that he otherwise could have maybe reached. But there was another uh, attempt and successful one at being an adult yesterday that Aaron's alluding to that we did talk quite a bit about today on the roundtable. So make sure you catch that. Todd. A lot of times in my life, and I assume it's the same to everybody else in this room, where I get that look from people on the left and on the right, and it's, it's the confused dog look, tilts its head, like, what are you saying? And when we talked about the uh, judiciary, I, I that's just where I'm at with them, and they are at with me, I think, because this is, it's beyond theoretical, in my own life, and you always wonder how you're going to be tested. In my own life, it came down to me and the courts and my employer didn't care about what happened to me and the courts and attorneys were running all kinds of scams against me and i just instant constitutionally i just wanted none of it i was like no we're gonna blow this thing up uh I, it's worth taking the risk to do that because this is all wrong and i it the other people clearly smart dumb christian not right left they don't view it the same way they view it as they have to play the game because it's the only game they know and until we change that kind of thinking and i think steve alluded to it it's going to take a miracle to do it um things aren't going to change kim i'm going to go back to um the discussion about uh the grown-up in the room you're not going to want to miss the the discussion about general kelly 
There you go. A double tease on that one. So that's coming up today at CRTV.com, promo code DACE. We also have a monthly subscription option if that's more affordable. We have a free trial period too. So if you try us during that period and decide we're not for you, that's cool. Just cancel before it expires and you won't owe us anything. All right, today's free podcast. It's Feedback Friday. This is where we get back to you after you've gotten back to us. Steve at stevedace.com is one way you can reach us via email. Like us on Facebook and also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. I want to begin with this question that was posed to me on Twitter yesterday, guys, and, and my response to it and get your take. All right, Todd Branch, who's a U.S. Air Force veteran, asked me, could you, in a tweet-sized response, define political correctness? I'm curious where you would draw the line. Here's how I defined it. The imposition of progressive propaganda for the purposes of stifling and thwarting any potential opposition to progressivism. That's how I defined it. I remember I got to do this in 140 characters or less because I've not gotten the upgrade yet on Twitter, guys. All right. So that was my 140 characters or less definition of political correctness. Aaron, you're up first. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to channel my inner Phil Robertson here and say pontificated crap. <laughs> Todd, nice. what do you think? That was nice. Yes. It's the perversion. Well, it's like it, it's what the devil, it's what all evil is. It's a perversion of the truth. It takes knowns it, it takes goods that are known and respected and twists them for evil ends and I'd add you know lies to in, enslave us yeah. and I'm going to need an editor on that because um, I'm pretty sure that's more than 140 characters it, it might be but, but it's, I, yeah, it's yeah. close ballpark you know yeah. I'm not that far over into the red Kim Oh, I was going to say it's political correctness is, um, in essence, lies. So it goes off of what you were saying. So um, lies used to enslave us. Lies used to enslave us. That's less than 140 characters. Good job, Kim. Thank you. And I could I add? Yeah. No. I like that. Yeah, you're you're right. Right. No, it's no, yours. Lies used this to save us. With our okay. consent. I mean, that's Ooh. the yes. trick of political oh, correctness, isn't it? Yes. Oh, I, mean, I wish I had come up with that answer. Yeah. Now yet. See, we're now, working yeah. together. See, we see, like it's that. we're working together. Do it. Lies used to what was it again? Enslave. Lies used to enslave us, which our. we, which with our own consent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh Tweet wow. It now. Yeah. Crap. Otherwise, I will. And, I really and then you'll thought, just have I really to retweet thought, it. I really thought I came up with off the hoof. I think I thought I came up with a really good definition too, man. But that's yours better. Was, yours was too wordy. It was less than 140 characters. Says the guy no, who just says did the guy a who just no, Aquinas' third letter. No, 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 not <laughs> too. He, he just gave us Aquinas' third it, edition commentary on it didn't Galatians. Have too many words. Your tweet was but too wordy. The words themselves were too wordy. It was just. Oh, I hear you. Okay. That's, yeah. All right. Wouldn't that be too lettery? Too many letters in the Can, words. Mm-hmm. We Can we just stick with yeah. I really liked yes. you guys better than mine? Yes. <laughs> we'll just stick with that. I liked your guys' better than mine. That was good. That was well played. I liked that. We did it together. We did it. This is a guy who is a faithful patriot and supporter of CRTV. His name is Danny. 
He says, recently at our church, my wife has become more involved with our children's ministry, primarily working with toddlers, so two-year-olds. Uh, two On our most recent date night, her and I went out for dinner, and I posted a picture of us at dinner with her having a margarita sitting at the table. Now, my wife doesn't drink except in those special occasions and never really discusses it on social media. Alcohol is not a big part of our life, but like most Americans, maybe something we do enjoy once or twice a month a month at, at, at most when we're away from our family. However, a member of the children's ministry saw it and was offended by the post. They in turn went to the education minister who approached the pastor, who's a friend of mine. Our pastor called me at home to discuss the post, and I informed, informed him it was a one-drink thing that she does from time to time on a very rare date night. We began talking about how the Bible doesn't strictly forbid partaking, but that it was offensive to one of the members. My question to him was, at what point do we draw the line? I understand where Paul was going in 1 Corinthians 8 on the idea of liberties of some sending others astray, but at what point do we move? From uh, from going against uh, or going on offense against a legalistic approach. In today's world, people today's world people often get offended over anything, and it can also be especially so inside the church. If this was a situation where these kinds of posts were happening three or four times a month, I can understand the offense. But one time is enough to cause people to get upset. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this subject. So, who wants to tackle this one first? Oh, I do. You do. <laughs> This, Why am I not surprised? The Catholic, Catholic. I, I, the Catholic had his like, hand raised come. halfway up. I wasn't done reading. Someone said alcohol. He raised his hand. Come back home. That legalism. <laughs> Let's talk counter-reformation. What is wrong with you people? Exactly. Did, have you read The Wedding at Cana? They drank. They had a good time. They ran the issue out is of not line. whether you're know, being too legalistic or not. You know Where do you draw the line? The line is you, you know who this person is, and you go to them. And and then every and the whole chain, who sp spoke in you know soft tones and respectful and what do we do about this? Everyone, you go back to them and you tell them to stick it where the sun don't shine, or I will, and that's even going to be more embarrassing. Tell them to mind their own damn business and read their Bible because they have no idea what they're talking. Why do I have to tell you as a Catholic to read your Bible? This is madness. Stop obsessing over this stupidity. It is clearly biblical that you can drink. All right? If you had a picture that this was not, this person is acting like this was what, what girls gone wild. That's what I'm getting from this. Really? Oh, yeah, you're bringing a flask to the nursery, are you, and getting drunk while <laughs> really? watching the children? Yes, Jello shots, <laughs> hey, listen, beer bombs. Danny, when you're, call us back when your wife shows up at the children's ministry and she has some salt on her wrist, okay? Can I, <laughs> can I ask you guys honestly, because Seriously. you're walking these, where, where does this come from? This uh, type fundamentalism, of legalism? Yeah, oh. fundamentalism. But no, but it's clearly not biblical. It is. It's I just had, not I, biblical. I, I, I had, no, this really comes not in from, a complicated this, this way. Comes, yeah, this comes from. I, I, this was explained to me the other day. The dude who founded Welch's was a huge prohibitionist uh, for the main reason that he could sell a lot more grape juice. It's a strictly American thing. It's a conspiracy. Is that it, what you're saying? That's it's that's the truth. Um, you know, I had. There was a uh, Pentecostal pastor here in town several years ago had me come speak at his church, and for some odd reason we got into this conversation. I don't even remember what the what the uh, uh, reference point of it was. I mean, with how we got into it, it was the dinner before I spoke, and 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 he was he was adamant that he believed that that was not for literal fermented wine. 
like we would drink today is not really what, because that's what I asked him about. I mean, I was a relatively, still relatively new believer studying the scriptures for the first time. And I was like, wasn't Jesus's, now I'm not a drinker. I don't, I'll have a glass of wine once or twice a year. Um, I haven't had a beer in like 25 years because I gave it up when I turned 21 because I realized I really don't like this, you know? So it's not a big issue for me. Um, my wife, if we go out on a date night, might have a, 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 a margarita or one martini when we're out, and then that's about it. So I just, but I, I, I brought up the same thing, the wedding at Cana, wasn't that Jesus' very first miracle? And he like had some like Hebrew etymology that that, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Greek etymology, because we're in the New Testament now. So he had some Greek etymology that um, that was not for, real fermented wine. So like we Coke would, instead of that we Coke? would drink today. I'm, and so I was like, well, didn't I was no, like, well, didn't no. but didn't Paul tell Timothy to drink wine because the water was giving him dysentery and making him sick? And that was his argument. That and and I've never researched it, so I don't know. And I I have not thought about that for years until we just had this conversation. So I, I, that's I was wondering: are there other than you know the Alex Jones conspiracy theory that Aaron <laughs> gave us? Okay, where they're making the friggin' frogs drink grape juice now? Okay, uh, is there is there some theological standing that says that this is this was not wine as we know it today according to well the story, first century Palestine well the story itself says wait most people bring out you, you know the good wine mm-hmm. at a different time right so and then they bring out the worst wine later after they've had the the effects of wine that doesn't make any sense now at you all. should now, know why, yeah. go ahead Aaron no no it's I mean why why is I mean there's different parts of the Bible where it's where it talks about people getting drunk why uh, or it talks about people being uh, imbibed or imbibing wine. Yeah. Uh, why is it different all of a sudden in that particular passage? I don't know the answer. Yeah, and I don't. Now, you guys, you should just so you know, I'm there's sorry, a lot Dana. of debate about this. And just so you know, Todd, there's a lot of debate about this in Protestant circles. More, more typically, it is more Pentecostal, more Southern Baptist traditions that are more of the of the uh, have a, on the teetotaling bent. If you go to more of the reformed uh, arena, which is where Kim is from, you know, my buddy Douglas Wilson out there in Moscow, Idaho, who I haven't even told you guys this yet, but like I just got invited to go speak out there next summer. Oh, sweet. They're doing a, a conference. Awesome. And so actually Matt Walsh and I are going out there to speak oh, next that'd summer. Be great. But, you know, Wilson, because he's solo scriptura, has gotten into and to the to the nth degree, has gotten into trouble out there for serving actual wine at communion to minors. Because, right, hey, this is in the Bible. Huh. He's a high church reformed guy. We're serving wine. We're going to do right what the Bible says. Yeah. And people have like called the cops. Okay, so there's there, it, we, there is not a uniform opinion about this within Protestantism by any stretch of the imagination. There's not, you know. I, but I don't really know. And I would love it, by the way, if you come from a tradition which does have a serious take on this, let us know what it is. What the what 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 this reading of the scriptures you have on this is? I think we would be fascinated to know what it what it is. Um, but beyond this thing in particular, I think Danny brings up a really good point of this is not something that you know he's not. It wasn't his wife posting photos with. Um, you know their their narcotics dealer, or doing belly button shots. Yeah, something that that would clear you know, that would be another thing. <laughs> and notice who went there? The chick, not us. I just just want to state the chick went I to mean, the belly button shots. All right, but that's what I think why Aaron laughed. All right, but this is such a minor thing 
and it's it's not even a reoccurring thing. Like I could I could I can even understand. Hey man, pastor, every time like the gal who runs our toddler ministry, I'm on her Facebook wall. Every time there's at a date night, all I see is. Go, go look for yourself, Pastor. They got six months of photos, and every time I see her, man, she's it's, it's her. Intru- I don't think that even that would necessarily, you'd want to make sure is everything okay? Can you not have a good time without a drink? But this is like a needle in a haystack, and we're calling in the chain of command on this? Oh, no, a, I don't get that part of it. That's I the part really I really don't, don't like how instead of going right to the person, and talking, uh, it's all of this. Yeah. Now, why would you want to go and do a thing like that? Oh my goodness! When you could, like, when you could, uh, you could gossip. I'm sorry, you could inform people who need to know. And we could about prayerfully talk about it. <clears throat> prayerfully talk. About oh it. man. <laughs> He's looking at us. You should see the look like he's giving us over here. He's over here like y'all crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. He's like, I'm, I thought your sola scriptura was supposed to clarify some of these things for you. <laughs> Yeah, this is my tulip. Somewhere on there, I don't know which one, but one of them would be uh, drinking's fine, so suck it, okay? And yeah, my tulip, I'm crushing a bunch of tulips, fermenting them, and then drinking the wine. Nice. Yes. Nice. nice. This nice. makes me mad. Oh. It does. Yeah, because, well, for the... For the I, I yeah, feel sorry I'll for share, Danny's wife, I'll honestly. Share, yes. That's not very nice. I'll share your frustration, Todd. There are... And you stated this, you alluded to this earlier... There are so freaking many more, much more important issues. Like, this isn't even an issue. You're making an issue out of nothing. There are so many areas the church is lacking right now, and this is going to be one of your hills to die on. That's, that's cray-cray. Uh, the, 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 the Christian life needs to be compelling, and that can look like a lot of different things, all different shapes and sizes. But I'll tell you what, that woman making this report no one wants to come to you and ask you about your testimony but the one who's you know chain smoking a pack a day is all tatted up and is willing to still stand out you know to the broken in the world and say man can i tell you about jesus for a second Mm. they'll come to him they're not going to come to you and your little church lady scam what todd well then uh so tell us about instant replay in Major League Baseball, Todd. What do you think? Oh, I knew I could leverage that somehow. <laughs> did it! You did, you did it! it. <laughs> Congratulations! Wow! Hello, hello. Uh, I liked it though. I liked this the is, fire. This I like is the it. Best version of Todd. Uh, yes. So I'm not sure, Danny. We even answered your question, <laughs> but you teed up a 10 minute rant. So. Um, but I'm sure there are some people that belong to traditions where this is an issue. So by all means, uh, we would love to know what those issues are, because it seems like as long as you're not doing anything that puts you in an inebriated state that that lowers your willpower, that you lose self-control, one of the fruits of the spirit, right? You, you're not doing anything that causes you to right. lose self-control, to put yourself under a form of delusion, then I, I'm not sure what the issue is. I, but scripturally but i i could be wrong i'm 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 willing to say hey show me where i'm wrong and come now let us reason well, together quickly let's just put the over under on the number of emails you get that call me a papist heretic after this um probably about the same amount from a bunch of bearded bearded you know what's funny too is i was going to bring up as i watch matt walsh who a lot of people don't realize this is catholic 
even though Matt looks like every millennial, does he not, Aaron? Does Matt Walsh not look like every millennial reformed Protestant thinker yes. on social media? Yeah. He looks like he's right out of central casting, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he needs a little bit longer beard. A little bit longer beard. He does need But longer. everything else, he looks like, he, he Matt looks like he he's the lead anchor on the White Horse Inn podcast, yeah, there, is he, what Matt Walsh looks he, like. I mean, he he tweets about oh, the bourbon that And his love drinking. of bourbon and alcohol, that's yeah. right up the alley. You're yep. right. Absolutely. Only when he starts getting into the whole you can lose your salvation thing, that's when they'd burn him at the stake over at the White Horse Inn, okay? Because that whole perseverance, that's that's when the Catholic comes out. Yep. But in terms of his image and persona and talks about bourbon and alcohol, he is right out of the reformed Protestant Matt Walsh is. Um, uh, he's right out of that central casting. So I, I don't know really what the issue is. I'm sh- I think you were, you're, you're going to get just as many papist heretics as you will People that look like Matt Walsh just aren't Catholic. Are gonna that guy was right on the money, man. He he was right about that. So I I think this is gonna be pretty evenly Sam, split. There's a chance. I think I think this is gonna be a 50-50 one. Okay. I agree. I just want the record to show. I found out on my Facebook wall that that by going by by belonging to the Church of Martin Luther, I'm not saved. I we did find the one. There's no salvation outside of the Church Catholic on my Facebook wall. So. One there's one one piece of red in my ledger. I now believe I'm only 587 behind you, so I am catching up. It's like that great <laughs> SNL skit from the '92 presidential election where Phil Hartman's Bill Clinton and Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush, and he's hammering them for how Arkansas is last and everything. And Phil Hartman corrects him in his Bill Clinton voice. I want to correct you on education. We are now 50th. We're 49th, <laughs> and Mississippi. We're coming up on you fast, right up there in the rear. <laughs> right? So I'm catching up. All right, I'm only 587 heretics behind you, Erzin, so I'm catching up on you. All right? You can do it. <laughs> um, let's go to this one next. Uh, this is from uh, Shane Salwasser. I think is how the last name is pronounced. Okay? Love you guys' show. I love how you guys end every episode by, John, by citing John 317. Um, each time you guys do it, at the end, it reminds me of exactly why we need to have these conversations every day. I'm a Christian college student at UC Irvine, and I was wondering if you had any tips about evangelism and how to share the gospel in an effective way to touch people's lives. I'm part of a club that encourages its members to actively share their faith with others, and whenever I share the gospel with students, it becomes a challenge for the existence of God at all. However, as disheartening as that is, the students assume there is no God through his grace, there must be a better way to promote a better case of truth. I listened to your interview several months ago with a law student, and I'm certainly going to employ some of the tactics of asking questions that will lead the other person to truth once school starts back up again. So he sent me this about early September, right as college was getting underway. We are in Matthew 28 mode at UC Irvine, UC Irvine and, and to bring students to the gospel. And I'm also a political science major. So solidifying my worldview through my faith will certainly help with those conversations as well. Any tips you can provide on evangelism are extremely helpful. Good work on the show. So Shane, I want a, a great reformed American pastor who passed away a few years ago. D. James Kennedy was fond of saying, the one thing you'll never find in the Bible is an evangelism plan. All right, the Lord just told us people to go out and share the gospel. Didn't say, in these five easy steps, shamwow. And then and then you don't close with it. And wait, there's more, okay? Now, I know you're not asking for that, Shane, but I'm, I'm using that to point out that what you are asking is not necessarily an easy ask. 
but it is an easier ask than you think it is at the same time. Does that sound contradictory? It's not contradictory. It's a paradox. So Shane, what you're asking for is not an easy ask, but it is easier than you think it is. The reason it is not an easy ask is because we view this when we say we want tips, particularly if you're a guy, Shane, if it's a male, Shane, if it's a guy, one of our staff members here at CRTV sent me a text last week. She was like, man, you, you crushed the listicles in meaning a list of articles or a list of talking points that I can riff off of. You know why? I'm a guy. I'm a, why do they give us honeydew lists, guys? Because if you put a list in front of us, we will go down the list and get it done. What do we always say to the women? Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> Tell me what you want. So you guys want us to know, to guess. No, I will say. We just want you to tell Tell us what you want, and I, if I can, I will get it to you. I just need to know what it is. We want to know. You're supposed to know, Steve. Yes, I know. We, <laughs> but we, we want to know what the expectation level is. What's the game? What are the rules? Who's keeping score? How do I win? All of us as males process every situation in life with that decision-making order. What's the game? What are the rules? Who's keeping score? How do I win? Bam. Bam. Constantly. How the male mind works. Because we're an outcome-based creation. We like to get me to the bottom line. Hey, you're having a tough time at work? See, you want to just share. I'm like, who's the boss? Let's talk to him. Hey, that guy's a douchebag. Let me go talk to him. Bottom line, give me to the solution. We are an outcome-based creation. You are a relationally-based creation. We're an outcome-based. Now, you're outcome-based as well. We're relationally-based as well. But our primary function as men is, out, is the outcome, and the primary function for women is the relationship. So when we as guys say, give me some steps, what we want is step one, insert slot A into tab B. Step two, fold slot B. Fold it. It, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That's why what you're asking, Shane, is not an easy ask, because there isn't a process. But it's an e- here's now why it's an easier ask than you think it is. Because it's a relationship, not a process. Get to know your campus. Get to know your students. Care about them. Suffer with them. Suffer for them. Know when you'll have to draw the line. Be willing to do it. And up until the point when they, when they put you in a corner morally or ideologically or theologically where you know you can't go, by grace, give them everything else other than that line. That's the part we're missing here. It's a relationship. We're made in God's image. In his own image, God in and of himself is a relationship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is Relationship is the essence of the Creator. It's who He is at His core. This is why we crave it so much. We just talked yesterday, right? God made man, said He was good, and then looked at Him and said, but it is not good for the man to be what? Alone. Alone. Relationship. Have a relationship. Now, relationships are complicated. They're messy. We just had this you know, 10 minute rant diatribe on alcohol. Here's the part we should have put in. If you come from an environment where, your use of, where you abuse the use of alcohol or 
your surrounding, you being surrounded by alcohol caused you to do things that now you know in life are wrong, then do not use your divinely given freedom paid for at the cross to continue to imbibe. Walk away. That is a weak point for you. Now, it may not be a weak point for somebody else. But this is the relational aspect of our faith. Jesus did not die for a theology. Jesus died for people. Why did he die for people? To restore a what? Relationship. A relationship. Now, this does not mean theologies and doctrines and creeds and dogmas are not vitally important. They are existentially important. That's why we contend for the faith. There is, one of my best friends is sitting here to my right, but, but there's, a, there's a gulf at times between the two of us. I've, how many times have I not hesitated to mention it's the 500th anniversary this month of what, Todd? The Reformation. I think I've brought it up every possible opportunity I've had, okay? But I'm not, good at, I'm not sacrificing of the relationship for that, as important as it is. Why? Because he doesn't ask me to. And I'm not asking him to do that either. I think I'm right. He probably thinks he's right. One day soon he will realize he's not. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I'm having a beer. If you you can hear that uh, noise, it's the sound of the gulf even widening. Stones will be cast at high noon. What were you saying about a relationship, Dace? But the the point is, when you have built a relationship with other people, you don't have to, that's when you don't have to hide your differences. I was down last night at the Civic Center watching our oldest daughter, and she's a teenager, man. She can be snotty, bratty, eye roller, like any other teenager. And I watch, I'm watching her negotiate an environment in a subculture filled with people who have a totally different belief system, way of behaving, living, how they view sexuality, relationships. And I am watching her love on these people and care about them without changing who she is at all. And I'm, I'm kind of jealous because, you know, I've been on the front lines of this culture war. And then I realized, well, so is she. She's just fighting a different one. With the gifts given her. With the gifts that were given to her. Mm-hmm. And to her, it's very simple. I'm not going to ask you to change for me if you don't ask me to change for you. I will love my neighbor as I love myself. One of the previous plays she worked on, someone who works at the local Planned Parenthood was there. That didn't go well conversation came up well what do you think she what she wasn't going to inject herself impose herself but if you want to invite her in that didn't that didn't go well and in that subculture the last name my kid is carrying into these tryouts is an albatross guys there are some places where her last name has gotten her things she does not deserve. This would, or not yet earned, maybe is a better way of putting it. This would not be, I think we all recognize, would not be one of those arenas. 
which tells you two things. One, she's really gifted, enough that people will overlook that, but even that wouldn't be enough. Talent would not be enough. It's that she cares about people. And so because of that, they see her as Anastasia Dace, not Steve Dace's kid. She's built a relationship. Now what's hard for us is to build that relationship without losing ourselves in it. And this is something that Ann and I have talked about is she needs to make sure she keeps a strong bond with her church friends and her youth ministry friends because eventually you are who you roll with. Bad company will corrupt good character. This is why one of the reasons why Paul tells us don't give up meeting together. So we can come back, get recharged every Sunday and head back out for the rest of the week. But there are no easy steps. Shame. There's really just one step. Be in constant relationship. Be in constant relationship with your own creator, with fellow believers, and with the, with the community that surrounds you that God has called you to reach and to serve. So it's, it's not as simple as you're asking, but it's simpler than you think it is. If, you, if we don't see them as a process, but they're people. There's a fascinating poll out today that millennials love what is known about Donald Trump's tax plan when they're told it came from Bernie Sanders. Have you guys seen this poll out today? Oh, no. No, but it doesn't shock me. Doesn't shock least. me at all. It, wouldn't, it doesn't shock me at all. That's the power of relationship. That's the power of it. So good build, relationships and bad relationships. And bad ones, yes. yes. They can, uh, relationships can be idolatrous as well. Why do you think the order I first gave was being relationship with your creator? Second, be in relationship with your church body. Start with chain of command, okay? My girls are starting to get it. They didn't get it when they were little, but now that they're getting older, and, they're, they're, and one's very interested in boys. One's getting more interested in boys at 12. Now that they're, th- now that they're watching Say Yes for, to the Dress on television and game planning out their future. Now they begin to understand why when they were little, I said to them, you are my princesses, but that lady over there is my queen. Even if she's wrong, if you ask me to choose between you and her, I will choose her every time and you will lose. So don't ask me to choose. They didn't like it when they were three, four, five, and six years old. Now that they're a little bit older, they kind of understand it. Why? Because I could not really be, I could not really treat them as my princesses if I didn't prioritize the relationship with their mama. Same thing works here. You will lose yourself if you, cre- if you build a relationship with your campus community. You will, if, if, but if that's your primary conduit, you will lose yourself to that community. If your primary conduit is not your relationship with your creator. This is what happens to social justice warriors in the church. It's not that they're wrong for having a heart to alleviate racial injustice or suffering. It's not even that they're wrong to want to have mercy or guilt, or I shouldn't say guilt, but mercy or grace is the G word I meant to have for people that struggle with sexual, same-sex attraction or gender confusion. It's that they they do it absent the plumb line of God's word. They abandon the relationship with their creator. They forsake it for the relationship with the community. And they end up just serving the community, not the, not the creator, not the community through the creator, or serving the creator to the community. And so we all just, we, we put band-aids on our sin. No one's ever healed. There's no transformation. We just hug a lot. We feel each other's pain. But we never heal from it. We're never healed from the pain. So have a relationship with your creator. 
that would be this is where the reformed and catholic guy are going to come together word and sacrament have a relationship with your creator go to church have a relationship with a local church and then then build the relationship with the community on your campus what do you guys think well there's a paradox involved in the great commission uh, Matthew 28, go forth to all the world. Well, that's that's very aggressive. That's offensive. Uh, no, that, uh, it's going on offense. That's what I mean. It's uh, And but then you read First Peter, and it says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. That is actually going to this place, the whole world, but then wait for the right opportunity for the right moment, for the right person, for the right situation. The right situation for the right person. It, it's, it's not just that scene from The Naked Gun, and if you're young, you haven't seen that movie, but where they're saying there's a crime scene and they're saying nothing to see here, but where they have a megaphone inches away from the crowd's face. They're, that's not how this works. That You cannot just go... And f- Steve and I had this conversation. I can't. I think I can't remember if it was on air or off there about our own children. It it is so humbling when I find all what I'm doing for my children. Try to raise them in the faith. Prepare them for this world. the the real The hardest reality for me to swallow in my whole life is that ultimately, that is on them. I can't force that down their throat. I can't make it so that they are saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't, and we can't do that as evangelists either. So you have got to respect them on their terms. Otherwise, it'll never work. Be prepared to give an answer. But that means being wise as servant and innocent as doves, knowing the lay of the land. Steve talked, that's what relationship really is everything else it's it's what steve alt is, has been talking about all week it's it's a white paper you're screaming out there mm. it, to feel all too often and we've seen it to feel really good about ourselves and man i'm so glad i'm not like those heathens mm-hmm. over there mm-hmm. that's not how this works that how, that's not how any of this works and um first peter three continues with that saying with gentleness and respect and that's what you're talking about and um taking your time to know is this the moment to do it but um other than everything that the the guys have said, I'd also add one of the things that really reaches people is if you actually take an interest in their life. What are they doing? What are they up against? Um, in college, you're going to be coming up in midterms. It's going to be very stressful. They're going to need some help navigating. Be there for them. Yeah, uh, that's a good word. Um, taking genuine genuine interest asking them questions not just about what they believe or uh anything like that just about their uh about their life and the only thing that i think i would have to add is that when you're in class uh when you're working on projects be excellent in everything that you do Mm. well said a couple more quick ones tracy dyer says 
I think where we are at in the culture is the result of lazy evangelism with people going after numbers, dumping people off at the foot of the cross, not actually doing what Jesus instructed, which is discipleship. It's sadly been reduced to getting your reservation for heaven's banquet and going about life as you were. As a result, Christians are comfortable with the culture, not embracing a biblical worldview. After all, they aren't challenged by their networking entertainment clubs on Sunday morning. Some sermons don't even contain scripture references, but are more about secular self-help psychology. But enough about Joel Osteen. Tracy, you are correct in your overall diagnosis. I don't. Does anybody want to disagree with anything that she just mm, said? No. no. Nope. Nope. I think you have diagnosed it, sister. You're right on the money, man. That's cash money, homie. No doubt about that. Let's do one more here. Um, Steve, my name is Daniel. I got hooked on your show about a year ago. And I just saw the recent program you did about the horrors of what goes on with an abortion at 20 weeks. It actually brought me to tears. Please understand that as a former Marine Iraq War veteran and now a current police officer, that's not an easy thing to do. I've long spoken out against abortion and even served at a pro-life pregnancy center for almost two years. However, the video you guys showed showed me how woefully uninformed I am about the subject. I'm emailing you to ask, what are your top three books that can help educate me on this issue? Thank you, Daniel. Um, well, Daniel, that's why we showed the video. And I think we need to show more videos like this. I don't, I don't know. We, we've got to move the culture beyond the, the word abortion. It sounds like you're getting your tonsils out. It, it, it sounds like an appendectomy. I'm in, I'm out, we're done. I feel better, we're gone. Got rid of this mass that was bugging me. We, we need to, we need to, the conscience, which you just described, Daniel, and you're someone who was already pro-life, your conscience was pricked. And you were already sensitive to the issue. Imagine how someone whose conscience might be hardened and has never really fully had to confront whatsoever, even on an intellectual level, what it is they're assenting to, what they might do if they had to be confronted with this imagery. That's why we showed it. We should show more videos like this. And if it seems unseemly to you and you're an advocate for it, why are you an advocate of something you find unseemly? Why are you an advocate for something you find untoward? Why are you an advocate for something you're so uncomfortable with then? Why are you uncomfortable with it? Where does that sense of un discomfort do you think comes from? I mean, you think this, you, if those of you who think that this is a quote unquote right, when I think somebody is doing something that they have a right to do, I'm not discomforted by it. I think husband and wife have the right to enjoy one another's bodies. I'm not discomforted by husband and wife doing so. I think you have a right uh, uh, to vote. Although some of you, the way you vote, I'm discomforted by it. But you get the point that I'm making here, okay? Typically, we're not uncomfortable with things we actually believe people have a right to do. So if you think people have a right to do this to another person, why are you uncomfortable with looking at it then? You should be celebrating it. You should be the ones promoting the pictures. Hey guys, look at, look at what we're doing. This is so cool. This is progress. We're on the right side of history. Watch us suck this little baby's brains out with this little vacuum suction cup. Watch this. It's really cool. This is pretty dope, kids. Check this out. What's wrong with it? I mean, we in school, did you guys dissect frogs? We did. Yes. Did you guys do the baby pigs? We did those, right? 
think so. Yeah. Baby something. Why, why don't we do dead human babies then? If it's not a baby, why don't, why don't the schools do that? Planned Parenthood does the, does the sex ed curriculum for most of the government schools in America. So why don't they offer up human remains to dissect like they do with frogs and pigs? I fear soon you won't even be hypothetical, Steve. This is exactly why we need to be asking these questions now before we get there. When you get to the point where Pharaoh hardens his own heart, there's nowhere to go then, okay? That's last one out. Turn out the lights. I'm suggesting we go there now because I agree with you. We are one, and I've seen this in my own career. In the 12 years I've been doing public pro-life advocacy, we have gone from they don't want to have the argument of to when life begins. To, they're more and more willing to say, yeah, we do think that's when life begins and we don't care anyway. So the clock, I agree with you, brother. The clock is ticking on this puppy. That when the conscience is seared, it doesn't get less so over time. It gets, Pharaoh hardens his own heart at this point. And that's exactly why we need to raise the threat level. We need to raise the, the alert level here. More videos like what live action did there that even got a combat Marine and a police officer to say, whoa, I can't abide that. Now, in terms of books, I'm going to give you one. All right? I'm just going to give you one. And it's an easy read. I would highly recommend. It's called Personhood by Daniel Becker. Should be easy to remember. Your name, too, is Daniel. Daniel. It's called Personhood. In fact, I think Daniel just goes by Dan as the pen name. So Personhood by Dan Becker. That's the to me that's that is the definitive pro-life book I have ever read. Personhood by Dan Becker is the name of the book, Daniel. I hope that helps. Final thoughts, Aaron. Yeah, I, I would say uh, one as, as far as books, resources to get yourself really um, up on this issue, I think that's uh, that's a good one. but as far as arguing um, once you are, once you have made the decision that you are pro-life, it really starts and ends with thou shalt not murder. And that that life, that thing inside the womb, that is really a human. Never, ever, ever, ever from this day forward, let go of those premises. All true. Uh, but I would take a, uh, a 6,000 uh, foot view of this to help out to add... Uh, because oftentimes we're just discussing it after the the oh has happened the, the the baby that was unplanned the baby didn't want well we have a whole problem uh, with not understanding about the kind of relationships we are supposed to have leading up to uh, babies being born who we are as men and women our complementarity so I would read uh, the theology of the body it talks about how our bodies our temples are meant to bring us into relation with God both individually and ultimately through each other through the sacrament of marriage yeah that's a fabulous book Hmm. absolutely Um, I would add a movie it was written it was done in 1984 called um, The Silent Scream and anything by the Centers for um, Medical Progress. Very well done. Hey, don't forget, promo code DACE. Check us out today at CRTV.com. Promo code DACE to watch the DACE Group Roundtable. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in today here on CRTV on our free podcast. Until Monday, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.